0: Welcome to Uncontained Episode 77. I'm your host, Aaron Static-Render, and on the show today I have professional wrestling ring announcer Scott Ceriti. Scott works for a number of feds out in the Jersey area and up and down the East Coast, including Pro Wrestling Magic and he also has a podcast which you should listen to. Of course, after you listen to this one, get to know Scott first. Don't just jump right into it. But yes, his podcast is called the Move Crew podcast. He's a co-host of the show and uh, you can find that on and you can find that on Potomatic and uh, yeah, take a listen. Maybe you'll learn something about professional wrestling i know i did i even had to ask him the age-old question so is wrestling fake and you may be surprised by part of that answer so you'll have to listen to find out and if you're enjoying the show please uh support the show by going to my podcast website uncontainedpod.com clicking on the amazon banner at the top of the page if you have some amazon shopping to do please do so through that link and uh, help support the show. If you don't, you can just share the show with people who you don't think have heard it yet because sharing the show helps a lot get the word out there. But let's, let's get to this show, the one you're waiting for with professional wrestling ring announcer Scott Ceridi. How are you doing today, Scott? And welcome to Uncontained. I am
1: hanging in there. Thank you so much for having me.
2: All right. Great, man. Uh, thank you for joining me. It's uh, I'm on the West Coast. You're on the East Coast. It's a little late out there. I appreciate you uh, staying up to talk to me here on Uncontained. Before we go any further,
1: just how did you get involved in ring announcing? You know what? I, I used to play the wrestling video games when I was a kid, but I never used to watch the product. And then I started watching the product. I got older, about 11 or 12. Okay. And then I stopped for a really long time. And, uh, you know, then social media happened. And I keep seeing videos of this dude making waves. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to pick it up again. And then I started watching again. And uh, I had a bunch of friends who were doing the wrestling thing. And they were like, hey, you know, come out here. We're training, get trained as a wrestler, see if it's for you. If it's not for you, there's other stuff you can do. And frankly, it was not for me. My body couldn't handle it. Okay. I kind of hung back for a while. I refereed a couple shows and then I was just like, I'm just going to, you know, sit back and be a fan. And then as I was going through, uh, a company called Hybrid Wrestling was uh, running a show and they had a pre-show and I asked for a tryout. And they gave uh, myself and my friend Tim commentary tryouts. And they invited me back for a show they ran last October, and that was a full show that I did with the person I consider my mentor. And it just kind of just kind of snowballed from there. I never fully expected to get into ring announcing. It was kind of uh, a position I was thrown into at the relative like last minute, at kind of the midnight hour. But once I started doing it, I had people tell me to keep up with it. And that's when I started sending footage out and getting more bookings. So it's been about since October that I started commentary and since November that I've been doing ring announcing.
2: Okay. All right, cool. So you're still relatively new to announcing.
1: I'm pretty much without having to work my first show, I'm about as green as they get, which is why it's so good getting all the experience because you learn things as you go. Um, The gentleman who I had said was, I look at as my mentor, uh, his name is Emil J. He does uh, ring announcing and commentary for a company out here in Jersey called CZW or Combat Zone Wrestling. Okay. And. He was my commentary. He's my commentary partner at Hybrid, and every once in a while, we we see things on Facebook, and we're like, "Hey, what are you doing this weekend?" Well, you're doing this now. And uh, when I was told I'd be ring announcing, I I sent him a message, and I was like, "You know, got a question for you. What do you? uh, What advice would you give someone who's going to be starting ring announcing in like two days?" And he sent me the manifesto, man, and I still have the messages uh, from him on my Facebook Messenger. Okay, because the first show I had officially worked, and I'm not gonna name any names here because this isn't a shoot, but the show was bad. Um it had been publicized for about six to eight months, uh, sponsored ads on Facebook, posters all over the town, that whole kind of thing, and it drew sixteen people. Oh. And the commentary team wasn't great, and I walked back into my oldest friend's house, and I looked right at him, and I was like, yeah, I I don't think that I can do this. And then Emil had messaged me, and he said, hey, how was the show? And I explained everything that was terrible, and his exact response was, cool, don't worry about it, none of that's going to happen, see you next week. And, (laughs) And I kept it going from there. So... It's been uh, it's been an adventure to say the least. I'm definitely traveling to places that I never thought I'd be traveling to. Like I never thought I'd be driving to West Virginia every two months or so. Um, you know, it's a it's it's weird. It's weird when you look back on the miles and all the things you've done and and matches and worked with, and you're just like these people are family now. And it's 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 weird. It's mainly weird because you're you're working with people you grew up with, yeah, uh, grew up watching, and you know people say don't meet your heroes, and except for the odd one or two here or there, that is a complete lie. Meet your heroes; they're going to be awesome people.
2: Okay. That's always encouraging to hear. Like, uh, there was actually a person I interviewed just a couple weeks ago who works in radio and she met Val Kilmer and she's like, he is awesome as hell. And like, just like a big kid, they're playing like spy games running down the hallway.
1: Oh, that makes me so happy that Val Kilmer's a cool dude.
2: I know, me too, because it looked like, you know, Val Kilmer, just seeing him in, like, public, it looked like he could possibly go either way, but it made me happy. Oh, no, it's
1: absolutely... He was absolutely one of the hit-or-miss guys, like, uh, I'm about, like, 40% sure you could be an asshole, and then, you know, <laughs> you meet him, and he actually ends up being a really cool guy. Like, there are guys, especially in the deathmatch scene, there are some intimidating looking guys and like being in the locker room and like there are certain rules in wrestling, like shake everybody's hands,
0: yeah. uh, greet
1: everybody, you know, don't, if someone offers their hand to you, even if it's like this limp little dead sparrow thing, shake it. They offered it. You need to shake it. You are new here. I'm essentially going through the speech that I was given before I went in my first wrestling locker room, but a lot of these guys are, are rather intimidating But then you start talking to them, and it's just like, "Oh, you're you're a regular dude. You don't go out, you know, hunting and killing people for sport. So that's a good thing." Yeah, Um, the jury's still out on a couple people, but (laughs) but for the most part, you know, I remember, uh, you know, I got into into uh, deathmatch wrestling very late, and within the last two or three years. And uh, the first show I went to was an invitational tournament. And I was an admin for a Facebook page. I was just like getting friend requests from all these deathmatch wrestlers. And I'm like, this is weird, right? This is starting to be weird. And if I knew then what I knew now, I'd just be like, so I'm gonna be working with you in a week and calling you every week. So leave me alone. And <laughs> it just kind of snowballs from there. And like, When people ask me to explain Deathmatch Wrestling, because listen, it's not everybody's cup of tea. If you go on YouTube and you search Deathmatch Wrestling, you'll probably find five rants by a dude named Jim Cornette about how it's ruining the business. Okay. But they are the nicest people you will ever meet in your life and it's an art form. It absolutely is an art form and I'll and I will argue with anybody who says that it isn't.
2: I was actually just about to ask you to describe what deathmatch wrestling is and how it varies from other professional wrestling.
1: So, deathmatch wrestling is a it's like a I, I always use the phrase subgenre even though it doesn't really work here, but it kind of does. It's a subgenre of professional wrestling that involves hardcore wrestling taken to the next level. So where hardcore wrestling would have chairs and tables, deathmatch wrestling has barbed wire bats and fluorescent light tubes and thumbtacks. Okay. It just kinda just kind of snowballs from there. And it started out in Japan. I'm not sure what the whole reason of it starting out was, but they have done some nutty shit. And I like I look at these videos and I'm just like, oh. Okay, this is a thing that actually happened in the in the world, like this is here now. Yeah. And it you know, New Jersey has combat zone wrestling which runs their yearly tournament, Tournament of Death, which was featured on a Vice documentary. And Game Changer Wrestling which not only is running yearly and semi-yearly tournaments, like they have the Nick Gage Invitational, they have the Tournament of Survival, but they're also running deathmatch or at least hardcore shows almost on a month-to-month basis okay vicious outcast wrestling that's that's a company that i work for they run death matches they also have regular matches on their card um iwa mid-south has their yearly deathmatch tournament and that company was actually founded by a former ecw wrestler by the name of ian rotten and it just kinda if you if you look at certain pockets, the there was a death match called Carnage Cup this year, and that was held in a field in the middle of Tennessee where nobody had cell phone service. So when I'm trying to message somebody like, All right, who lost the limb and is anybody dead yet? Nobody's answering me. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, Kevin Brennan brought everybody out there to die, but that didn't happen. So, you know, but once people started getting back to you, like, okay, it sounded like a good show. You know, that might be something I might be interested in next year. So it just kind of, there are pockets for it everywhere. Just like there's, there's places that are going to appreciate more Greco-Roman style wrestling, which is high school and college wrestling. And then there's people who just straight up love pro wrestling, the clotheslines, the DDTs and the pile drivers and all that good stuff. And where I'm at, it's, I'm actually like right right across the bridge from New York City. Okay. And there's like 10, or 12 feds that run over there, and there's 10 or 12 feds that run in New Jersey that I try to get to see at least at least once a year, depending on when they run. because some places are just like, hey, you work till 6:30. We're gonna run a show on a Friday. Doors open at 6.30. The show starts at 7. Good luck. And I'm just like, well, okay. This (laughs) card's awesome. I'm going to be there. You better be there at 7. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck in standing room only. Well, no. Okay. I'll try to make it out to the next one.
2: All right, I got a question for you here before we get too far into this. Now you know Greco-Roman wrestling is, as you mentioned, the college and everything like that, and professional wrestling is. Although it is physical, I'm not taking in any of its athletic merit at all, but. It is it's scripted. It's entertainment. You know, I understand that. I get I get that point. I'm not knocking it in any way. I just want right. to know if the uh, deathmatch wrestling is scripted in any way or is that just a full-out brawl?
1: Uh, that's that's where it gets tricky and it varies from person to person. It essentially you know who's going to win. When you work a show, you're showing something and you're just like, oh, "Okay, Everything else that happens in the middle, it's totally up to the other two guys. Okay. So you could have you could have one show where it's like, ah, we're eh, I'm tired. Let's use a couple chairs. Or you have another show that's like, all right, I took two scoops of pre-workout. Who wants to get hit in the head a lot? There's it varies from person to person. So it gets to the point where absolutely it's entertainment, but you know, sitting in a locker room and listening to hardcore holly talk to somebody about like listen you are 350 pounds there is no reason for me to be doing what i usually do to people to you like that's a whole separate experience that i can't even like begin to explain what i've learned from like the people who were in the wwe yeah i like talking to them and learning from them it's it's a priceless priceless thing and even the guys who weren't in WWE um, sitting and talking to guys like Nick Gage and saying hey man uh, this show I worked in Allentown uh, last month was the first time I had seen him live he ran his deathmatch tournament but he wasn't there for it for various reasons and I said to him like that was one of the best matches like pure matches I've ever seen in my life and we just had a conversation about bridging the gap between deathmatch wrestling and regular wrestling. Cause let's face it, deathmatch wrestling is essentially horror movies.
2: Okay. It's not
1: for everybody. Not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to get it. And a lot of people aren't going to understand why you like it. Sometimes when I get home from work, I want to watch pinhead kill a couple people. That's just kind of how I, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's one of those things where like you learn so much from all corners And you're just taking in all this information. And then you go to work on Monday and completely forget everything you're supposed to do there. And you're just like, "Uh, I was supposed to do something today. I don't remember what it was, but I'm going to go do my really cool second job. And like, don't get me wrong. My job is great because when I told them what I do, they were immediately like, we're looking for people to work the weekends. Oh, you do this? How about weekends off? And when I need days off, I try to let them know as far in advance as possible But, you know, sometimes shit happens. You get a call at 10 o'clock in the morning like, hey, we need you to work a show tonight. And that's when you need to go to them and be like, I'm so sorry I didn't sooner, but this just fell in my lap literally. Um, But they've been really understanding about it, the the days off I need to take. I have a schedule uh, for a wrestling company for all of next year, and they're just like, be available these dates. And I'm just like, oh, that's a lot of that's a lot of Friday shows, but thankfully I get paid time off soon. So everything should be okay. And like racking up the miles, racking up conversations with people. um, I remember there's, there's one particular guy uh, who I consider big brother. And that is his wrestling name is Masada. And he wrestled in the Nick Gage invitational and he, everything finished. And he comes out bleeding like a stuck pig and he looks at me and my friend and he goes, so could you guys do it? And my immediate response was, nope, you are all the way <laughs> There is no way. I've always liked the idea of possibly, but I could never. Absolutely not. I could never, especially not with someone like him because it would just be, it would just be horrible.
2: Yeah. And that's what I don't get. You know, it's the people that, the people that are like screaming like, professional wrestling is fake and whatever yeah it as we discussed it is predetermined who the winner is going to be but the moves and like the physical punishment that they take that is oh, real
1: no, no absolutely 100 percent real um when i was training and mind you the person i was training with is my best and oldest friend in the whole wide world and we're doing things and he looks at me and he tells me the move he's gonna do and i go okay um, for example, it was supposed to be like a regular kick to the face. Okay. Okay. So I run at him and I get ready to, to do everything that I'm supposed to do, everything I was told to do in training, and he kicks me straight in the chest. And I'm pretty sure my heart stopped for a second, and I went <laughs> the ring and I was just like, Okay, I need to find other things to do, because this clearly isn't for me as I'm sitting on the edge of the ring, like catching my breath, just like, Oh, that was all. It was like eating too much McDonald's all at once. And I was like, (laughs) Oh no, this is not okay. And I just kind of went about my business. Um,
2: right on, right on.
1: But you know, there are people who are made for it and there, you know, there's people who aren't, but the people who aren't usually find out the hard way they aren't like I did. And, find something else to do in the business there. It's ring crew. Everybody's important in a wrestling show. It's like a stage play. If you don't have a stage crew, those sets aren't getting changed. You don't have ring crew, especially at a Deathmatch match show. That ring is going to be messy. That ring is going to be,
2: yeah, I can imagine
1: everywhere. The first time I worked VOW, there was a, uh, pit of thumbtacks that somehow ended up everywhere and by everywhere, I mean I got back to my friend's house and I spent at least 25 minutes picking tacks out of my boots. And thank God I wore boots because usually I wear dress shoes. But this time I was like, eh, eh, let's let's bring the boots and see what happens. And since then I have <laughs> boots. I actually, the last show I worked for them was June 17th. I actually had to miss my home fed of Pro Wrestling Magic and go out there And, and do the show. And as I'm stepping into the ring, uh, to announce the third match, I think it was, I get on the mic and I said, you know what? It's a little crazy. Every time I come here, I'm stepping in glass. I'm stepping in tax. I am stepping in a whole bunch of nonsense that should never be stepped in. And the entire crowd screamed to me that I was paying my dues. And I was just like, well, no, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I am paying my dues. Now, on to the next crazy thing that we have for you. It's just... It's it's hard to explain the rush of what it's like having you say something to a crowd and the crowd hollering it back. I'm, I'm trying to think of a good way to explain it that doesn't involve a dictatorship. That just, like, you tell someone to say something and they just parrot it right back to you. And... It could be, you know, a crowd of 16 people, in which case it sounds like people having a very lively discussion, or it could be a crowd of 250 where you're just like, this is the moment. This is, this is it. And outdoor shows are always the best because people get drunk, people get loud, and it is fantastic
2: are you typically interactive with the crowd or is that just at the uh, death? No, matches?
1: usually wherever I am, you know, every other match or so I ask the crowd, how they're doing, if they're ready for more, make some extra announcements. And once all that nonsense is over, we can get back to the professional wrestling because let's face it, the people in Connecticut can call it sports entertainment. All they want. We know what we're here for. We're here for professional wrestling. The death match shows, Uh, The V.O.W. shows specifically were just shows where, um, you know, I had never been like pushed out of a curtain, been told like, hey, go go talk to them, say something to them, anything. I don't care what Um, I will remember the first time I picked up a mic at at V.O.W. I did the first round of announcements. I went out to the ring. The promoter comes up to me, goes, hey, man, I just want to let you know if you don't cuss, this crowd will never like you. (laughs) which is completely different from the atmosphere at most regular shows because most regular shows, people are like, sweet, we're going to bring our kids. They're all really excited. So you kind of have to watch what you say. But then you get people who come to Pro Wrestling Magic, for example. We tell people, hey, it's a firm, you know, PG-13 here. Keep it as clean as possible. And if you have to, you know, not be clean, don't go too crazy with it. And then we had a wrestler come in, the match started, the bell rings, and literally the instant the bell rings, he gets right up in his opponent's face, goes, fuck you, and sticks his middle finger in the dude's face. So I'm just like, oh, that's what we're doing tonight. Okay, I'm going to go outside and smoke a cigarette. And by the time I came back from my cigarette, maybe two and a half minutes later, there was trash all over the floor, chairs were askew, and some dude was crawling out a window. And I was... (laughs) <laughs> and I look at my my one my one friend who's a worker, and I said I was gone for two minutes. You can't keep control of this nonsense. And he said I'm not getting between those two. But like at deathmatch shows, people, you know, even at uh, when I did the Allentown show for Game Changer, you know, I did the whole hey, how's everybody doing tonight? And the promoter comes out to me, and goes, listen, we're not that cheesy fed. Go out, say what you need to say. And curse, but don't go crazy with it. Whereas at VOW it's essentially like a Martin Scorsese movie. It's like, here's the script, use it or don't. But he was like, before the main event, that shit was crazy. Shit's about to get crazier. Here's the main event of the evening. Don't overstay your welcome. Cause I was already getting heckled by people who know the other announcers, and I know the other announcers too, and none of them could be there. That's why I was there. Yeah. You know, so I just did my thing. I got out and I still had people come up to me like, yo, you're great at this. Keep doing it. And I'm just like, whoa. You guys aren't from where I'm from. You're not around all these really talented announcers, all these really talented commentators. Even the commentator and announcer who trained me is better than I am because sure he taught me everything, but he did not teach me everything he knows. He taught me everything I know, not everything he knows, which is the smartest thing you can do. Yeah. Because he and I have this conversation all the time. He tells me at he tells me, "Don't get too good." And I'm like, first of all, you're you are the best. So don't worry about me taking food off your plate, which for a while was like, you know, I was getting questions because he was putting me over so hard and I was getting people who would message me like, hey, Emil can't do this. Can you do it? Emil put you over. So I would, you know, anytime I heard someone needed something commentary ring announcing, I would say, use Emil, use Emil. And then, you know, the question came up one day uh, for, at time of recording, a show this Saturday, July 15th, called Violence and Suffering Professional Wrestling. And the question was, name a really good ring announcer who is not Larry Legend or MLJ. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. The first person I spoke to when I broke into the business was a deathmatch wrestler by the name of Lowlife Louis Ramos. I explained to him what I was doing, and he said, if it's for you, great. If it's not, you'll find something else. And that was when I was training. Louis has been doing some ring announcing as well, so I dropped because I'm not going to put myself over. What kind of asshole would that make me? You know? And yeah. it turns out...
2: It's like wearing your own band shirt on stage. Oh,
1: exactly. Exactly. It's the worst. You know? it's like, like <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen Kanye West wear a Kanye West t-shirt. Like I'm pretty sure that's something that's happened before. Yeah. Um, but you know, I dropped his name and you know, he's going to be doing it. And they asked me to come help out. And I said, sure, absolutely. I'll be there. And then I got another message about a show this Sunday, July 16th, PWE and aspire pro present unify where Emil had actually said, Hey, use this, uh, use this Scott kid. He's really good. And I got a booking based on that. And it's there's a lot of give and take in the business. Sometimes you'll meet the really selfish assholes who are like, no, you're not taking my booking. And we'll just no show a place and expect them to have a ring announcer, which is a really weird thing. Or you'll find people like people in the pocket that I've found where it's like, hey, we're all good people. Scratch each other's backs. Let's get ourselves some jobs.
2: Yeah, that's where you want to be. You know, now with uh, don't take bread off my plate type thing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. People who would rather they had all the food, even though they weren't going to be making everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they'll sit at Thanksgiving dinner, eat everything off of everybody's plate, and then leave.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll stick with the food analogy just a little while longer. And, like, if y'all share food and y'all bring food, there's more food for everybody to eat. Exactly. So. You know, instead of just one person eating all the damn food.
1: Right, exactly, (laughs) exactly.
2: And that's my last food analogy, at least that I can think of, that I'll be making for
1: the rest of the show. I mean, yeah, no one wants to get too hungry. Yeah, yeah.
2: All right, so... Uh real quick before we go any further, I we were talking before the show just briefly and you said you would get lynched if you didn't talk about pro wrestling magic and I don't want that to happen unless it's in a death match.
1: Exactly. So pro wrestling magic is a couple people I had known of um just from living in the same town as them for like as long as I have. Um getting together and saying, Hey, let's make a wrestling fed. And it was, it was an awesome idea. We were all, you know, all of us who were on the outside were just like, I really wonder how they're going to do it. Like, we didn't know what ideas they had. We didn't know what they were going to be putting together. And, you know, for a while it was, all the guys we knew, you know, all the all the regular local guys and a couple guys from um, bigger feds. And we were just like, oh, wow, they're doing this. Okay. Um, and then as it grew, uh, you know, starting to get people like Keith Lee and JT Dunn and um, Cody Rhodes and Paul London and all these guys that like, I spent my entire life watching, and it was just weird um, being in a locker room with them. And they were actually the ones, they were running a show last November in a high school a couple towns away. And Emil had, had been unable to do it for one reason or another, so they asked me. And they were like, here are the rules of the road. Here's everything you need. Bring note cards and go on your way. And some of the matches that I had announced were people i had watched on the independent scene before and some of them were people i had only seen at pro wrestling magic um Pete okay. Sanchez, like one of my favorite favorite people in the world he was on the show and he was wrestling colt cabana formerly cm punk's best friend and i was just like whoa all right too much at this point and just having conversations and talking to everybody and relaxing and eating lunch and just just chilling with people. And it's, it's a different atmosphere at an independent show. Whereas you go to a WWE show and you try to get a picture with somebody. Nine out of ten chance they're annoyed. They haven't had their coffee. The hotel fucks something up. The restaurant fucks something up. And they don't want to be near people. Because if they're near people, they're near people to punch. But if you go to an indie <laughs> show, there are guys at their merch table like, Hey man, you enjoying the show? You having a good time? When I met Paul London... I was asked to show in December, but I had to run back to my house. They couldn't wait anymore. Not an issue. But Paul London approached me and he said, hey, I've never seen you here before. And we talked and I told him the deal. And he goes, oh, you're never going to ring announce me. And I kind of looked at him like, what? And then later I realized it's because he literally sings himself to the ring and needs no introduction. Um, But Pro Wrestling Magic is uh, a fantastic independent company. Uh, Currently, they are on a break for the summer. They run in Richfield Park, New Jersey at the Knights of Columbus. And the next show that they come back for and that I come back to Pro Wrestling Magic for, I believe, is September 16th. That is their big comeback show. They have a lot of great stuff planned. And I am so like missing the June show hurt me. But because I had the prior commitments to Vicious Outcast, I, you know, I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't find out Pro Wrestling Magic was running the same day until when was it? I think it was when I had first said, Oh, I've got something on this date, TBA. And uh, the promoter from Pro Wrestling Magic messaged me and said so who else is running on june 17th and that was when i was just like well shit guess i'm not going to that show (laughs) <laughs> yeah, man, that sucks.
2: But you gotta, you gotta keep your commitments exactly. too, you know. Since you had that prior there, you don't want to get like that reputation where, like, oh, this dude, he, we gave him a chance, but he bailed on us, and that happens more than once, or even sometimes just once. That's enough to give you a bad, bad.
1: Absolutely, rep. absolutely. It's the same as um, I, I mean, I will say it's a little uh you know, it's not as constricting as a regular job is, but when you no call no show at a regular job, you should not be expecting to work there much longer. And it's the same thing. If you no call no show one of these feds and just don't show up and leave them with their dick in their hands, not having a ring announcer, like they're not going to think very highly of you.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That could even be an understatement, but, um, all right, so I know it's getting kind of kind of late, so I'm going to get uh, rolling in on this interview here, get into those final questions yeah, that I have. I know you're new yeah. at ring announcing, but do you have any advice that you could give people looking to get started out? You could share some of that manifesto if it's not confidential that you mentioned earlier that, uh, and will
1: send you. Absolutely. So the first thing that Emil told me was you need to exude presence. And that is absolutely the first thing. Same thing. I'm going to tell you, if you go on stage, you need to own it, own it a hundred percent speak clearly. Don't speak too yes. fast. You know, People are there listening to you while you are the bridge between them and their favorite wrestlers. If you don't speak clearly and you're unenthusiastic, ladies and gentlemen, Keith Lee, nobody's going to be happy about that. I mean, he'll probably get something. The man can get claps out of anybody. And personally, in my experience, the best thing you can do is market yourself in a good way. Um... You're going to have nights where you're down on the company you're working for and you really want to shoot off at the fingertips about how much of a piece of shit X, Y, and Z is. Don't do it. Absolutely do not do it. Do not bury anybody because if you start burying people, nobody's going to want to book the announcer or the commentator who shits on their promoter. Absolutely not. That is not a thing that people are going to want to see. So... Be confident in what you're doing. Have faith in yourself. Be the presence. Those would be my three my three biggest tips for someone who's trying to break in.
2: All right. Those are great tips right there. And especially owning the stage as well when you go up on there. If you go up there and you're insecure, the crowd will smell that shit. But, uh, yes, that is one that anybody looking to get on stage can uh, take. So that your last part of that kind of rolls into my next question. It's what do you
1: do to promote yourself, Scott? So living in in the age we live in, it is so much easier to promote yourself and your product as a whole. We live in the age of social media. I could currently tweet about a pizza place and while I don't have the biggest Twitter reach, I can be assured that at least some people are going to see that and say, oh, I need to try that place. If I put my footage up there of me just talking to the fans, once a show is over right before we say goodbye and we draw the curtain, the music plays and that's it. People are going to be like, wow, this dude's believing what he says. This is social media has made it so much more easy to market yourself to get your name out there and to get your brand out there um there are new startups every day there are new companies every day and they all do the same thing hey we've got a sponsored ad on facebook where do we go from here
2: do you do anything specific like social media wise that you know most people might not do or that you have found very helpful so
1: twitter's harder Um, Twitter is definitely cause you're, you're only dealing with so many letters and characters. Um, so Twitter is definitely the one where, you know, say my June was fairly busy. I was pretty much booked every weekend. I'm not going to be able to put that all in one tweet, but I can, you know, do it on a bi-weekly basis. And also in between that, just be like. Wow, holy shit, I did this this weekend, I never thought I'd be here, which is usually always all facts. I ring announced a match between Nick Gage and Teddy Hart, and that is currently my cover photo, I believe, because I could not believe I was standing between those two men. Um, right on. Promo pictures and pictures of the event's... And not just your pictures, because I see it's something that everybody does. You get your pictures and you want to show your pictures, but also something that like everybody does. And if everybody doesn't do it, everybody should do it. If a photographer takes the time to put out the entire show of 600 plus photographs, share the entire thing. That photographer worked way too hard for you to pick and choose the four pictures you look good in. For you to just share those and then just be like, yeah, photo credit to this guy. Always, even after a show's over, promote the show. That is always something that I have done. Every time I perform on a show, I thank the promoters. Um, I thank the fans and I thank the wrestlers. And, the, and I get some weird looks sometimes because even once I'm done at the show itself... I shake everybody's hand and I say, thank you. And they say, why are you thanking me? And I said, it's just, it just needs to be done. There's no other, there's no <laughs> other explanation for it, especially with some of these guys, some of the bigger guys I've gotten a chance to work with and listen to. It's one of those things where like, thank you for giving me your knowledge. Thank you for parting with that little piece of yourself. I am now going to apply that to what I do regularly.
2: Alright, perfect, man. Perfect. So, um you do some actual in person uh promotion by thanking people around you and all that good stuff. Right. And also making people who are there like that help out, like the photographer, helping him get a bigger name and stuff like that. That's a that's kind of a cool thing, helping others because you know if you put all his stuff on, he's gonna he's gonna thank you for it in some way or another, whether it's getting better pictures of you or You know, being like, hey, I know this guy. I know this ring announcer if he's asked In in
1: fact, while we're we're talking about photographers, I do want to drop some names. Of course, I mentioned my friend Tim before, Tim Crockett Photography on Facebook. Give him a quick shout out. Chris Grosso, the dude is the Orson Welles of photography. He does things with a camera that are unreal. Um, And if you look him up, probably one of the first things you'll see is a picture of a man flipping over himself to land on another man that Chris got at the legit perfect moment of arch and flip. Uh, Andrew Kovaleski drew chaos photography, another dude who every time I'm on a show with him, I get excited because he makes me look really, 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 really good. Amy Morgor is another fantastic photographer. And Lyle C. Williams, all really, really fantastic photographers who I can't thank enough for what they do. Seriously, it's and, and Danny Walsh as well. Danny Walsh, dude, he does pro wrestling magic mostly. And Dan Wynan, who I have just begun to work with Dan recently, and he is he's great as well. There are so many photographers that like I want to shout out. But if you're asking me to put seven on a show, those are the seven I'm putting on a show.
2: All right, perfect, man. So, when people come to see you, or come to see, come see a pro wrestling me, or watch you uh, in the ring, what do you want them to take away from your performance?
1: I always, you always want people to walk away like asking when the next one is, and when I have people come up to me after the show, even asking about wrestlers like where can i see him next and i can usually shoot off like oh him he's gonna be at czw in august better get there soon because this dude's going to the wwe soon um it's it's always the when do i get to see you again when do i get to see this again and even usually in your everyday life when you have to repeat yourself so much you get a little frustrated like weren't you listening the first time i said it You can't have that attitude in in wrestling at all because you are constantly repeating, hey, we've got merchandise on sale over here. We've got 50-50 tickets on sale over here, and we're selling tickets to our next event that's happening here. Um, So you're going to be repeating yourself quite a bit, and you need to be okay with that. So seeing people come up and be like, when's the next? That's what I live for. That's what I strive for. You, I had someone message me before I went to VOW in June saying, uh, essentially the first part of it was don't fuck this up, which, thanks fans. And the second part of it <laughs> was um, you bring such a good energy and you care about the fans. And my friend uh, Colin, who's actually running a show August 26th, at the OTW Arena in Williamstown, New Jersey, completely a non-profit benefit show for cystic fibrosis, um, came up to me after uh, Game Changer. And there are certain people that I've wanted to see me do this so I can get their honest opinions because... If I go ask my best friend, he's probably going to say, hey, I really liked it. You messed this one thing up. Don't worry about it. You'll get it next time. But if it's people I only see on a monthly basis, those people are going to be brutally honest with me, whether I like it or not. And Colin came up to me after <laughs> the show and he goes, you need to come here right now. And I went to my default like stance on life when someone says, you need to come here now, which is, hey, man, I didn't fucking do it. And... Um, and he yeah. hugs me and he goes, you are fantastic. I'm not just saying that because I am your friend. I am saying that because you don't make it about yourself. You make it about the fans. And I said to him, every show I do is not the Scott Ceridi show. VOW got a little self-indulgent, but that's because I had to talk to the fans so much. So I put them over a lot. You know, We we got some kid to, to get in the middle of the ring with the title and sing him happy birthday. Of course, there was no glass or anything in the ring. We made sure of that. But, like, I I got pulled aside at intermission, and this woman goes, I need you. And I'm like, okay, how can I help? It's my son's birthday. He's turning seven. Connor Claxton's his favorite wrestler. Can you do something special for him? And I tried, and I made it happen. And and God bless Connor Claxton for me being able to go up to him, me being essentially the low man on the totem pole at a wrestling show, and being like, hey, man. It's this kid's birthday. Can we do something special for him? They don't know I'm going to do it the way I'm going to do it, but I'm going to ask the sound guy to hit your music. You come out and do your thing. He goes, okay, and I did it. The kid's face lit up. We all sang him happy birthday. It was great. It was fantastic.
2: That That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And that kid will remember that for forever, possibly.
1: You better remember it from September 2nd, I tell you what. <laughs>
2: <laughs> remember that and come to the next show um, I got a couple more questions for you before I let you go. I know we're getting close to that hard out time of yours. So, um, one, just briefly, um, what is a highlight so far of your career? Not necessarily the highlight, but a highlight.
1: So there are three I want to mention right off the bat. The first one, right. which was one of the first things I did was being able to introduce my best friend as the, a champion. It's something he had been working for his whole career to have a reputable title in a reputable company and he did it at Pro Wrestling Magic and it was fantastic and I was able to announce him as that that was fantastic. Two would probably be Nick Gage and Teddy Hart mainly because the Nick Gage Invitational was the thing that made me want to ring announce and do commentary at deathmatch shows specifically that tournament was one of the best things that I had ever seen from start to finish with my own eyes. And that was the one that I was like, I really wish Nick was here. So I could tell him that like, I want in this business in the worst way three would probably be a tie for the first time I ever ring announced, because I'm pretty sure if the footage ever gets released that you will see me shaking for the entire duration of the show. Like we've caught in a cross breeze. <laughs> and um probably being able to ring announce. As I said before, if Louis Ramos was the first person I told I was getting into the business, second person I told was a gentleman by the name of Corporal Robinson. I don't care what problems people have with the guy. He's always been good to me. That's my argument. And if anybody has issues with him, I usually step away from the conversation. I used to call him... Like, I didn't have anything else to call him, but when I was describing him to my friends, he was wrestling dad. And he recently made his return at VOW on June 17th. And I was able to ring announce his return. And at one point, they're getting everything ready for the last match. He comes up to me, hands me a can of Mike's Hard Lemonade to take a swig out of, and asks me, are you happy? And at that moment, I realized that everything in my life is going to be okay. Okay. Nine to fives don't matter. Everything's going to be good.
2: That is awesome, man. So I have one more question for you. Uh, Those are three very solid highlights right there. And before I get into the final question of the show, where can people get a hold of you? What uh, shows do you have coming up quick? and uh...
1: I am a brand new ambassador slash I don't use sponsored athlete because I'm not an athlete. Jumping in and out of the ring isn't difficult. I am a sponsored announcer for Collar and Elbow Apparel. Um, they are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Collar X Elbow. Um, for those of you that are into video games, think Street Fighter, Cross Tekken, Collar Cross Elbow. Um, they will be. I will have codes that, as soon as I know these codes, will be publicized. That people can go buy shirts from. And it'll be great. I've seen what they're doing so far. I love it. I've seen the people that they're working with. Wrestlers and commentators alike. Also fantastic. They have a great lineup. They have a great business model. And that's going to be one of the best things to come out of this this business this year. Uh, People can find me. Very easy. I am on Facebook. Just search Scotty Ceridi. It's very easy to do. Instagram is S C And Suridi is spelled S-A-R-I-T-I, and it's Scotty with a Y for Facebook, not an I-E, because that's just weird. And <laughs> on Instagram, one day retro games. And on Twitch, twitch.tv slash one retro. The plan is Final Fantasy 14 streams once I build my character up again because I had a very vindictive ex-girlfriend and she got rid of all my high-level characters. So the Ninja I Wanted is going to have to wait. Um, But that's the plan for now. Maybe get some Overwatch streams going and all that good stuff. But streams will be up. And when I know, everyone will know. Finally, upcoming shows. At the time of recording, Saturday, July 15th, Violence and Suffering Professional Wrestling Round 3, Richfield Park, New Jersey, Knights of Columbus, the same building Pro Wrestling Magic Runs. Going to be a hot show from top to bottom from every wrestler who's going to be working on the show and as well as low-life Louis Ramos making his ring-announcing debut here and me being his tap-dancing sidekick. That's what I'm there for. It's what I do best. July, PWE and Aspire Pro in Somerdale, New Jersey. No worries. Short drive away from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They have a great show lined up. Main event, I believe, is Chuck Dustin, Formerly known as Chuck Taylor, wrestling Ring of Honor's Rhett Titus. show's going to be bonkers from start to finish. I personally can't wait for that. July 22nd, a company that I hold very near and dear to my heart, Jersey Premier Championship Wrestling. We're holding a benefit for the American Legion 351 in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. If you're looking for a night of wrestling and a day at the Jersey Shore, July 22nd's the day. That's the day to do it. And if you've never been to the Jersey Shore before, I swear it's nothing like you've seen on TV. I can promise you that right now.
2: Is there the fist pumping going on and stuff like that?
1: No, none of that. None of that. I I can assure you none of that will be happening. Um, And for that show, we've got the Stepdads with their invitational tag team match. Atlantic City Scoundrels will be in action as well as Pinky Sanchez, Steve Off, and a host of other great talent from all over the state of New Jersey all coming together because Hurricane Sandy nearly leveled this place, nearly wiped it off the map, and we're having a benefit just for them. August 26th, this may not be a show I'm working, but it's, again, again, a show I hold very near and dear to my heart. Change the World Wrestling presents Fight Cystic Fibrosis 3. We've got matches top to bottom that are going to be fantastic. If I try to rattle them all off, I'll probably miss something, and that would be doing this show a disservice. So we're not even going to attempt. Just go see it, and if Colin West asks you where you came from, tell him here. And then going later, we've got September 2nd, Vicious Outcast Wrestling's third annual Lord of Anarchy Deathmatch tournament. A one-day, 18-competitor Deathmatch tournament to crown a new Anarchy champion. And, of course, September 16th, we have Pro Wrestling Magic. And let me just pull the name of that show up real quick. Bear with me one second here. And that show is going to be ready to take a chance again. Every title changed hands. Every title changed hands, June 17th. New tag team champions, the private party. New world champion, JT Dunn. New women's champion, Jordan Grace. And new dark arts champion, Eddie McQueen. What happens next? Come find out. 106 Bergen Avenue, Richfield Park, New Jersey.
2: All right. And is there a website where people can go to find out all these show dates or, or just check your Facebook page?
1: VOWs is mainly Facebook. Pro Wrestling Magic is at wrestlingismagic.com. And I believe okay. July 1st through August 31st, Pro Wrestling Magic is having a limited time only season pass which gets you ready to take a chance again on September 16th, Daybreak on October 21st, It's a Miracle on November 11th, and Copacabana on December 16th. It's limited, only till August 31st, so grab it while you can.
2: All right, perfect. So I have one more question for you, Scott. It's the title question of the show. Scott Sariti, how do you live uncontained?
1: By putting myself out there as much as I do, From being the introverted kid sitting in the corner listening to his iPod and ignoring everybody, to being the guy who needs to greet anywhere up to 300 people at one time, from from bearing my soul to a crowd in the middle of a field in West Virginia, all the way to just waking up every morning and being okay with where I am right now. I am uncontained.
2: All right, perfect. And before we completely wrap this show up, I do want to thank uh, a mutual friend of ours that helped set this up. He uh, has a PlayStation uh, PlayStation YouTube channel. It's called The Council, Kevin Hillary. I uh, just want to give him a quick thank you for setting this up, because it's been really fun, Scott.
1: Absolutely. It's been a blast. Thank you, Kevin.
2: Yes, and will you do me one favor uh, before we wrap up this show, and that is sign off the show for me today, Scott.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Scott Ceridi. I am a man with a mic and a dream, and I live uncontained.
0: And that does it for another episode of Uncontained. Thank you for listening, and thanks again to Scott Ceridi for coming on and talking to us about the professional wrestling world and what it's like Inside the ring as those crazy bastards of wrestling are just going at it. Especially those deathmatch guys, man. That's crazy. And thanks again for supporting the show. Please share this episode with your friends. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all of that. Uncontained Pod on Twitter. Uncontained Podcast on Instagram and uncontainedpod.com. And please like the Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and I promise to have more great shows coming your way. And until next time, live uncontained.